You're listening to Remote Possibilities, a podcast on the intersection of technology, society, and education, brought to you by MarketScale. Now here's your host, Kevin Hogan. Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Remote Possibilities, the podcast that explores the promise and the perils of distance learning. I'm your host, Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. With me today is Nefertiti Dukes, who serves as the Educator Growth Lead at Screencastify, where she works to support educators in their journey to use that product in the classroom. Prior to joining the Screencastify squad, Neff taught middle school civics and language arts and 11th grade African-American literature. In all of her roles thus far, she's been concerned with how to ensure students find their voice and demonstrate their learning in ways that make sense for them. At Screencastify, she gets to help kids and their teachers find their voice through video. And uh, doing my due diligence now, I, I went to the place where I always go to, which is Common Sense Media, to see um, you know how they judge you guys. And five stars, you can't do much better than that. So congratulations for that. And if you, if you don't mind, I'm going to give a little description that they describe, which I think will help our listeners uh, have a good idea of of, of what we're talking about here. So the review at Common Sense Media said, as with most teaching tools, successful classroom use of Screencastify will depend on how well teachers harness its potential to match their particular needs. There are effective uses for both teachers and students. Teachers can record themselves to create a flipped classroom, explain difficult concepts, recap the day's main objectives, demonstrate an idea, or give students audio or video feedback on their work. They can communicate with parents as well, explaining procedures or bringing a personal touch to the traditional classroom newsletter. Students can use Screencastify to demonstrate what they've learned or how they've solved a problem, how to give presentations, catch up their absent peers, make and read e-books, or practice reading aloud in a foreign language class. Administrators can use it too, facilitating virtual faculty meetings, sharing professional development, or providing training for new employees. For educators who need even more ideas, the wide variety of support options available will help them brainstorm the best uses for Screencastify in and out of school. So that's that's pretty high praise there, Neff. Yeah, it is. I, I feel like I couldn't have said it better myself, quite honestly. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> And so I, I took that I took that burden off you. Uh, but maybe if we can start off, can you talk a little bit about Screencastify, the number of students you use, and maybe a little bit of the company history? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one really interesting thing about Screencastify is that we actually did not start as an educational technology tool. Um, our, found, our founder, Manu, who is in Cologne, Germany, uh, saw a need that it was incredibly hard to create screen recordings on Chromebooks um, and decided to create an extension. And from there, teachers are um, some of the most ingenious folks um, I have ever had the pleasure of working with um, and said, you know what, this is a great product, we're going to use it. And it quickly became clear um, that where our market fit was, was in the ed tech space. Um, so so that definitely was a, a kind of a crazy beginning. Um, but since then, we, we now are five years into Screencastify existing. Uh, we have expanded our offerings dramatically. We started with our flagship record extension, um, which 
was a Chrome extension that anybody could add to their browser. Um, and this year we have launched Screencastify Submit, um, which is a new way for students to be able to record their videos without the need for any sort of extensions, applications, et cetera, um, and really quickly found a niche um, when we had to transition to remote learning. Um, and then we also have our editor, which we are actually publicly launching. Um, so it's a pretty exciting uh, summer for Screencastify as we kind of uh, go through all of these new tools that make it incredibly easy um, for teachers, students, or really anybody to record, edit, and share videos. Um, we found that millions and millions of teachers, over 12 million, um, and hundreds of thousands of students have taken us up on that offer of very simple video recording and editing. Now, the one question I've had to ask uh, all my guests on remote possibilities is the where were you when moment. Um, for most, uh, it was probably mid-March when um, they kind of woke up to the idea that you know, this this dark cloud of the pandemic was going to be something that was far more, uh, you know, overwhelming uh, than many, many thought to believe. So was was there a particular day where the Screencastify crew came together and said, this is going to be different? Yeah, for sure. And we actually had two kind of crazy moments. Um, the first one was at the beginning of February. Um, and I remember being at TCEA, which was hosted in Austin, a really large educational technology conference for educators in Texas. Um, and all of a sudden, our inbox was kind of going crazy because there were all of these inquiries from educators in Hong Kong uh, who were talking about schools closing. Um, so we kind of got a sneak peek of what it was like from a different country. Um, and obviously at that point, it was not necessarily clear that we were going to be affected here in the United States. Um, but we know from then that this was something that had fundamentally changed uh, what education looks like over there. Um, and then obviously like a ton of folks maybe around March 17th or so seems to be D-Day. Um, we, we realized that the virus was here and that schooling was going to change in the US. I, I personally was down in a school visit in Valpo, Indiana, um, and that was a Thursday. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, it was that Friday um, that all schools in Indiana closed. So I was actually with them the day before they heard that announcement talking about what they might do um, in a hypothetical situation where schools were forced to close and that hypothetical situation became reality within 24 hours. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Now, when, you know, when I look at Screencastify, and I, I had heard about it before in, in years past, um, and I think about it as a video creation tool, but through that description that I just gave, it, it has become much more than that. Is that something that was uh, present before the pandemic or is that something that has, has changed because of it? Yeah, so that has been present prior to the pandemic, but I will say that we have doubled down on our offerings um, as a result of the increased usage that we've seen um, since March. Um, so like I said, we have invested a ton of resources and planning into the editor, um, understanding that teachers now want to create incredibly polished instructional videos um, because that is their main way of being able to get in touch with students. Um, so one of the things that we have done that I think is the right way to approach this is that we have looked at the products that we already have um, and taken stock in what we do well and decided 
decided how can we do what we do well even better? And I think that the editor is uh, perhaps some evidence of us really taking that strategy into fruition. And when you look at your customer base, uh, talk a little bit about the the history there. I mean, you seem to be as much as a, I would say, a bottoms up uh, consumer product as opposed to maybe a, a top down district product purchase. Uh, am I right in that or as usual wrong? <laughs> I am sure that you are not wrong usually. Um, <laughs> what I'll say is that it is yes and. Um, so we have an incredible amount of, of educators who um, have decided to purchase Screencastify on an individual basis. Um, we offer pretty heavy discounts to those folks. Um, and we find that to be some of the greatest compliments that anyone can ever pay to us um, because an individual educator being willing to spend their own money is, uh, is quite a feat. Um, but then we also do offer district and school subscriptions um, that would kind of spread the discount around everybody and kind of those are for districts and schools who have really prioritized video-based education um, and are looking to do a lot pedagogically in order to advance student instruction through the use of video. Talk a little bit about um, professional development and, and also something that I've, uh, I think I might have coined the phrase, I'm not sure, but it's parental development because all of a sudden, after years of covering education technology and always talking about the student and the teacher and the administrator, the parents were never part of that conversation. And now all of a sudden, uh, all of us parents are now uh, teaching assistants, right? So <laughs> we need to know about this stuff just as much as the average teacher does or, or administrator. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, we are frequently commenting on that, that the relationship between teacher and parent has changed so much over the last couple of months. So maybe I'll start there with kind of the way that Screencastify has plugged in to help out with that parental development. Um, so one of the things that we have seen educators doing is creating videos that are geared specifically toward parents. Um, so that might mean that a kindergartner is learning how to uh, recite their ABCs and there's a very specific way that that teacher um, has been able to teach that in the past and kind of allow for students to be able to remember that. Um, so that teacher might create a video that kind of explains the concept, explains how she teaches it, um, and explains how those parents might be able to plug in um, and then those those parents are really watching it to your point um, and being able to be teaching assistants and pick up right where the teacher left off. Um, the other thing that we've seen is that there are so many tools out there um, in ways in which students need to engage from being able to uh, get on a Zoom call to being able to access a notebook or uh, a grade book that parents might need. Um, and teachers are using Screencastify to kind of navigate parents through what that might look like. Um, which has been really cool to kind of be able to have parents um, see all of the different tools that, they're, uh, that their kids are exposed to. Um, and then from a professional development perspective, um, there's a lot going on there. I, I, I mean, from our perspective as a company, we have provided professional development for a long period of time to teachers to try to allow them to really harness what video might look like. Um, and we've seen a ton of teachers really take us up on that. Um, and now we actually have pivoted to um, also being able to offer professional development packages to schools and districts. Um, 
And I guess the last thing I'll say on that professional development piece is that the tool itself has actually been a way for um, administrators and districts to be able to provide professional development. Um, obviously, with schools closed, it means that traditional staff meetings aren't happening, um, and it might be hard to wrangle all of staff members on a Zoom call or a Google Meet. Um, so school administrators have turned to Screencastify to be able to create these asynchronous staff meetings um, that have been integral in making sure that everybody is kind of up to date in what has been a rapidly changing landscape. And uh, increasing Zoom fatigue, right? I mean, the, the, the idea of being asynchronous uh, is something that I think more and more uh, people are realizing uh, has advantages over just sitting there and staring at each other. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've read so much about Zoom fatigue. It's real. I, I feel it, um, as I'm sure you do, too. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, there is something incredibly powerful about being able to create a learning experience that is on demand um, so that students, teachers, or really anybody can plug in when they feel um, like they are the most ready to actually take in that understanding um, versus it being something that everybody has to access at the exact same time. Um, it, it To me, it's a difference between preferring Netflix over cable television, you know? Yep, yep. Now, talk. Is there an app version of Screencastify as well? So we do not have an app, which is a very intentional decision. Um, but what we have done with Screencastify Submit um, is we have noticed that a lot of students are accessing learning on devices that are non-traditional. Um, so we might have kids who are learning on their cell phones or learning on iPads or whatever the case may be. Um, so Screencastify Submit is accessible um, from any of those types of devices. And there is no application required because we wanted to eliminate one of those barriers to students actually being able to access. Um, and similarly, since our videos are safe to drive um, and teachers have the ability to upload to YouTube, it means that students or anyone can access those videos on any device without needing to download an application or anything that might potentially um, cause problems. Okay, because th th there's two, um, two issues there that, that, that you're bringing up in, in terms of the device. I mean, the first is a digital equity Absolutely. And as you say, not everyone has a laptop to go through. But then there's also the idea of acceptable use policies right. and a, a lot of those uh, sticky wickets, which have, you know, it's complete chaos now in, in terms of what device is being used and how secure the device is and how you collect student data, right? And so talk a little bit about how Screencastify navigates those waters. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm incredibly proud to work at Screencastify for a lot of reasons, but the way that we handle privacy and security is probably pretty high on that list. Um, there are a couple of things that I think separate us from other video solutions out there. Um, the first is that we save to Google Drive, as I mentioned, um, which means that we're kind of protected under that security that educators are already using there. Um, the other thing is that we actually don't store or host any of the videos, which means that even as a Screencastify employee, if I wanted to take a look at a student's video or teacher's video, I literally would not have access. So there, there is quite a bit of a fortress there. Um, but then also, I think that we've got, undergone some of the higher standards from COPA compliance to FERPA compliance um, to make sure that everything that we do is kind of on the up and up. Um, so we've had tons of districts really trust us in that being the, uh, the deciding factor between us and other solutions just because we handle security in such a way that they know um, 
that student data um, will be completely protected. But then the other the other coin of that is just making sure that we don't collect a lot of student data. Um, so we collect the absolute minimal amount um, to make sure just enough to kind of make sure the extension works. And then anything beyond that should stay in house at schools and districts. Uh, as I mentioned before, we started recording. Uh, one of the things I wanted to, uh, you know, talk to you about was the idea of students as creators, as as opposed to consumers. Oh, yeah. I, as I sit, as I sit here, I have three uh, beta testers downstairs, <laughs> all st- staring at their phones uh, or their their laptops. Not, and I'm not exactly sure if they're creating or consuming. I'm going to assume it's the latter. <laughs> It's the second week of August. Uh, I'm kind of letting it slide. Uh, but soon enough, uh, we're gonna, whether they're going to be in a hybrid situation or a remote situation, I'm going to want them to start uh, being creative again. Uh, talk a little bit about how um, Screencastify makes that happen. I mean, students these days are pretty savvy um, in terms of what they want to use and how they want to use it. And... Um, you know the uh, the one that the eight hundred pound gorilla that, that the president wants to ban has certain similarities to you guys, <laughs> uh, but you know so how do, how do you get a kid who's who's making TikTok videos move over and and do something of substance with Screencastify? Not that they can't do anything of substance in TikTok. I'm not a TikTok basher, but uh, yeah, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um... I mean, part of the engagement might even be in classrooms to liken what we're doing to TikTok uh, to folks who want to be YouTubers um, and, and kind of create an academic focus around some of those skills. Um, so, so a couple of things that we're doing. First, we're just making it super duper simple for uh, students to be able to create videos so that we're able to capture both those students who have extensive experience with video editing and video producing because they have a million TikTok followers, um, but then also those right. students who who might be a little bit deficient in those skills because they haven't been exposed. Um, so, so very easy video production from our end. Um, the other thing that we've done that I think make kids makes kids really comfortable and makes them really excited to get started um, is this video editing platform that allows them to merge a ton of videos together, to add text, to do some of those things that are going to make their video really stand out. Um, and that has been an engagement factor that has really, really allowed educators to kind of sell this to kids. Um, but but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that the more that kids really enjoy watching those videos and are able to identify some of those things that separate amazing videos from the ones that they want to scroll right past, they're also implicitly kind of um, getting those video best practices and are able to replicate that in productions that they create um, in themselves. Um, So even when they are just being content consumers, I might argue that that is making them better creators. Oh, fair enough. Absolutely. And also, you know, it's been for years that uh, in the ed tech industry, looking for that magic sauce that would really get students to be innovated themselves. So you're not kind of forcing a product or service on them, uh, but they're at kind of, they'll kind of take it and run, right? And, and, and create their own stuff. Um, is that something that is intense in, in the mission for you guys? Yeah, I would, I would say that there, there definitely is a, a, a portion of that there. One, one of the things that we talk about is being 
a little bit agnostic about what people do with their videos. Um, so when we talk about that from a student perspective, what that means is um, if a district is okay with it and a student wants to upload a video to YouTube and that's the way that they want to engage with their audience being their classmates and their teachers, that's possible in Screencastify. Um, if they wanna do things like create animated GIFs that get really fun and they can kind of post somewhere um, and show off their personality, that's possible in Screencastify. Um, so it's, it's almost as if we have given them this ubiquitous tool um, that can be so, so incredibly useful for learning to your earlier point when you were reading that comment, um, it really is in what teachers are asking them to do with the tool, but then we've also made it quite easy for them to decide how to use the tool. So, so where that video ultimately goes and how it looks. One other thing that has uh, gone completely asunder uh, as a result of COVID-19 is how we test and assess students. Um, for sure. And it might be, uh, you know, as I desperately try to look at things with the glass half full, uh, it might be a good thing that maybe this is finally the end of the um, of the bubble test. Maybe oh, it's yes. the end of the state standards and, and, and all those other uh, those things. Do you have any um, assessment aspects to Screencastify or, or, to, yeah. or about di digital portfolios? Or? For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin, I have heard the same things of teachers um, and folks wondering, how do we change assessment in this world where if the answer is A, B, C, it's super easy for kids to text each other or, or for there to be some um, some degree of cheating there. Um, and I think that our answer as a company has been that we have to change the assessment. Um, so submit in a lot of ways has been our answer there where we have created a setting where students can create videos that are accessible only to the teacher. Um, so kind of that one way communication there. Um, so as an English teacher, I kind of go back to assessments like that where uh, prior to COVID, we might have asked students, what is the theme of the story? And they pick A, B, C, or D. After COVID, that just doesn't work. And we might ask students the same thing. What is the theme of the story and why? Um, and they're asked to come up with their own theme and to kind of explain that through video, which obviously it adds to the complexity of the task, which is good, um, but also means that it's a task that is not going to be easily shared with their classmates um, or something that might kind of create that, that cheating aspect. Um, but yeah, with digital portfolios too, we, we have done a ton there um, a, a, as far as having uh, videos saved to drive and students being able to easily compile that um, to really show evidence of where they have come from the beginning of the year to the end of the year um, and make that quite clear to their teachers, their parents, and anybody else interested um, that there has been a ton of growth even without necessarily having to fill in the bubbles, as you said. Now, looking forward, uh, there's a lot of debate, uh, a lot of people mentioning, like, once we go back to normal, uh, more and more, uh, the sentiment there is that I don't think there is any going back to what normal was. Um, and again, there's some positives and negatives to that. Talk a little bit about uh, how you see your product um, changing going forward. Yeah, for sure, for sure. W one of the things that, that I'll say is I see us continuing to improve 
uh, on what we already have. I, I don't think that when we go back to the traditional brick and mortar classroom, if it ever is traditional again, um, then that completely eliminates the need for asynchronous video. Um, what we saw prior to the pandemic was that there were some students who needed additional help. Um, so that might have been solved by a teacher creating an instructional video that was geared toward them. Or there might be shy students who are um, unlikely to raise their hand, but are willing to speak to the camera um, and kind of show that there. Um, and let's be honest, even some of the things that you have brought up, Kevin, around cheating and things like that, um, that existed in traditional brick and mortar classrooms. So we can change the assessments and make them better and more indicative of what students actually know, um, then I would argue that we ought to do that even when um, COVID has been eradicated. Um, so the way that I think about it is that this is something that has forced us to rethink education in a lot of ways. Um, and we will be crazy not to use some of the things that we have learned during this period um, to make the new education even better. Well, I, I agree 100%, although I still want to get back to the normal of going to TCEA. It's <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And I really want to thank you for joining me today. And I hope when uh, we do go back to normal, I'll see you uh, down on the show floor or in a session booth. Yes, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. So thanks again. And thanks to all you listeners for hanging out here at Remote Possibilities. I hope you come back and find another episode soon. Thanks again. Thanks again.